Hey, what's up, guys? This is Gavin Shaw, and welcome into a Monday morning edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. We talk a ugly, ugly loss to the New Orleans Pelicans, and then we play a little round of overreaction, underreaction, or appropriate reaction. That next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I want to thank you for making this podcast your first listen every single day. If you want to become an everyday, all you have to do is subscribe on YouTube, hit that notifications bell. And then we really appreciate it if you leave a thumbs up on the video. Five-star review on iTunes. All, all that goes a really long way to supporting the podcast. Um, do you want to take a step further and, and also support your Knicks fandom? Then you can subscribe to our subtext. A link is in the episode description. Uh, we will send you our daily thoughts on everything happening in the Knicks first. And in turn, uh, you can ask us any questions you have on the New York Knicks. Uh, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcast. I've also been covering the NBA Um Part of it is a credentialed reporter for uh, nine seasons now, which is crazy to say. I've been doing this podcast for five years. And honestly, I haven't seen as many um, offensive performances as ugly as this one. And that is saying something because, man, I watched the Phoenix Suns uh, almost every home game uh, through the mid-2010s, uh, and that was a bad experience. And then I got this job watching uh, Alonzo Trier and Kevin Knox and uh, bless his heart, Frank Nilakina, uh, Alfred Payton, uh, not as much. Um, Chuck up terrible shot after terrible shot for the first two years. So things are better now, but that wasn't so much the case um, this past weekend against New Orleans, a 96 to 87 loss. Uh, I, I don't know if they had time, but, but maybe the Knicks took a trip to Bourbon Street uh, coming off that big one over the Hawks, wanted to celebrate a little bit, um, but This was a team that did not look ready to play. They had just two points in the first four and a half minutes of the game, all part of a 12-point first quarter. They finished with more turnovers than field goals, uh, or they had, sorry, more turnovers than field goals, six to five, nearly 10 minutes in. Um, They shot just terrifically from three after uh, shooting the leather off the basketball, 45% on 85 attempts the first two games of the season the Knicks just went seven for 37 despite that um they were kind of in the game late in the third quarter a Josh Hart three-pointer um made it 72 to 66 after the Knicks had trailed by 18 points at halftime and there was was a little bit of hope but it it just kind of became clear that the Knicks used up uh any and all of the juice they had making that run Brandon Ingram hit two ridiculous shots uh, on one of them probably getting away with an offensive foul where he initiated Contact with Josh Hart, um, hit this just insane fadeaway, ended up being an and-one opportunity for him. And just like that, uh, what should have been probably a four-point lead for the Pelicans, at most a six-point lead for the Pelicans, heading into the fourth quarter, uh, ended up being a nine-point lead, and it was all said and done from there because the Knicks had basically nothing left. They scored something like 12 points the first 11 minutes of the fourth before making kind of a garbage time run to make the final score look a little bit more respectable. But this was an ugly, ugly, ugly offensive game um, for the New York Knicks. And and, and the biggest fundamental issue 
and, and this is this is maybe the smaller picture version. We'll get into the bigger picture version. Um, was the poor play of their two stars for the second time in three games? Those guys had a horrific game. Uh, Jonathan Macri over at Knicks Film School had this great stat um, with, with some assistance from the legendary Andrew Claudio that um, the first game of the season was Brunson and Randall's worst ever shooting performance um, as teammates. This one would have been in the top five. Uh, they combined to shoot just eight for 29 from the field. Julius Randall compounded that by having eight turnovers. Brunson only had one turnover, but also only had five assists, only got to the line um, for six free throws, uh, made five of them. It was just another, like for, for, for Jalen, another game where he looked like he had dead legs, where he looked just really, I mean, the scariest thing for me so far from him is that through three games, he just hasn't had a great game around the rim. And we'll, we'll get to this in overreactions, underreactions, but you could argue is that is that scary or is that just um, very much not scary because we have a, not only a full season, but like a full career sample size of Jalen Brunson being an elite two-point shooter um, after hitting, I think, something like 55% of his two-pointers last season. He's just at 29% so far this year. So obviously that seems like an outlier that's due to correct itself. Um, my fear there is kind of the same between him and Josh Hart, that there are some dead legs. Coming off of FIBA, you got to remember uh, both those guys played uh, for for Josh uh, first time playing uh, playoff basketball in in his entire career. Uh, so he had an extended season, and then first time ever playing uh, international basketball. So it makes sense that he's a little bit exhausted. He's even had comments to the effect that he's exhausted. And for Jalen, it was his first time uh, doing that as a clear cut number one option coming off his first season as a number one option and then playing a substantial role for FIBA with, with an insanely hectic travel schedule um, did not necessarily get the rest that he would be accustomed to in a normal off season. Uh, Julius, uh, we can again get into this in overreaction, underreaction, appropriate reaction, um, maybe a little bit of a case of the odd year curse. I'm honestly, I'm not that worried about him. Um, he got up to a poor start shooting the ball last year as well. And, and similar to last year, even though the turnovers were just terrific in this game. Um, I don't think the process has been all that bad for him. And I, I think he is in fantastic shape, which is, is, is kind of the biggest thing that I'm looking for out of Julius Randle. But from a bigger picture for perspective um, for the Knicks, I, I don't think this game says all that much about their floor as a team. And I, I think the starting general doesn't really say all that much about their floor as a team. Like I, I would still be shocked if the Knicks are not an above 500 team this year. If they don't win, like I, I still think they're going to win 45 plus games this season. Um, and I think anything to the contrary would be um, like a big time overreaction to this uh, somewhat cold start to the season. Again, they were a couple plays away against the Boston Celtics from being two and one. And then, and then maybe we wouldn't even be having this conversation and framing it that way. Hence the lack of panic. This game did to me point out some stuff that's more concerning from a long-term perspective, more concerning from a playoff upside perspective. And that was just the combination of the lack of size and the lack of athleticism that was apparent for the Knicks in this game. And it, it just stands out against a team like New Orleans where, where they're playing lineups where they have a six, six foot 11 Jonas Valanciunas, like, 6'6", six, six with, with a million-foot arm, Herb Jones, and and, he, and then he gets replaced by Dyson Daniels, who's six foot eight and a freak athlete. And then you have Brandon Ingram, who's, what, like 6'9", and he is freakishly long arms. You have Zion Williamson, 
who is probably like right there with Giannis for the single freakiest athlete to come into the NBA post LeBron James. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone in that conversation, but those two are, are kind of one of ones. Um, and, and that's all without Trey Murphy, who's, who's probably going to um, a lot of people in new Orleans think he's a future all-star for that team. Um, so they are, they are scary. And, and they are a team that I could very much see making the Western conference finals this year. And, and I don't see them beating a team like the Nuggets, but anything short of that, um, I think, is very much in play for New Orleans. So on one hand, that's kind of a compliment to the Knicks, right? And saying, like, all right, they played a really great team. Um, they struggled a bit, and um, it, was, it was on a back-to-back. It was the other team's home opener, and, and they shot terribly. Their two stars sucked, and, and they still had a window to make it a game. So all of that is a positive. But I, I just think the contrast and the relative – again, lack of size of athleticism for the Knicks are not issues that are going away anytime soon. And, and by bringing in Dante DiVincenzo and, and for the Knicks making that their only substantial move this summer, they kind of doubled down. And over the summer, I made the argument that they did so in a good way. And all right, that's another guy who brings intensity to the table, who brings a high basketball IQ, who brings some passing chops, who gives them even more shooting, who will help them get out in transition. And that's not to say DiVincenzo is a bad athlete, but he's probably about an average one for a backup NBA two guard. And he's short for a a guy who's like nominally going to be playing the three um, or or like the two or the three um, in in a small ball lineup for the Knicks. Actually, I I should correct that. He's really playing. He's really playing the two with RJ Barrett, Josh Hart and Isaiah Hartenstein. But in some lineups for the Knicks, we'll be playing like a three. And when he was on Brandon Ingram, it looked like, again, like I made this reference against the Celtics, like it looked like a college kid going home who's like the local star. And they're like saying, hey, like, why don't you like go like shoot around with the middle school kids? It would really mean a lot to them. And that that's what it felt like, because like DiVincenzo had a possession where, where he played pretty much perfect defense on Brandon Ingram and Ingram literally didn't even see him. It, it was it was like he was practicing and, the, and there was kind of a fly like soaring around his head while he was getting a pull-ups from the elbow. Honestly, Quentin Grimes, for as good of a defender as he is, like he he also failed to affect Ingram, just like he failed to affect Jason Tatum uh, the first game of the year, um, at, at least in, in, in the moments that I noticed that he got that matchup. And again, that's not a fatal flaw for the Knicks. Not every team is the Pelicans. Not every team has that size, that length, that skill combination. Um but in the modern NBA, we, we, we went from small ball being um, being the new trend about a decade ago and teams saying like, wow, like you could just you could throw like a, a guy at like, like either a stretch four out there or you could you could play like the Warriors and like and, and have Draymond Green at center, um, who was who was kind of unique. And, and not a lot of teams could replicate that. But even even though the hardened Rockets like would generally play four wings around Clint Capella. Right. And, and that was the way the whole league was going. But then you see the team that won the championship last year, uh, the Denver Nuggets, and and they were absolutely enormous. And they just boast this size across the board with Michael Porter Jr. is like the six foot ten freak. Aaron Gordon at power forward, like six nine, like athletic monster. Nikola Jokic is is obviously just a load. Jamal Murray, six foot five point guard. KCP, like six four two guard. Uh, Christian Brown off the bench is is really big. And really physical. And, and then the Lakers before that. And Giannis and the Bucks before that. And like we can go on and on and on. But the best teams these days are enormous and skilled, right? Like it, it is the best of both worlds. And the Knicks 
are skilled, but they are small and they don't have otherworldly athletic ability to compensate for that. Now, you could say all those same things about the Miami Heat, but in terms of just like looking forward at like at what the ceiling is for this Knicks team, like they are just not going to win certain series in the playoffs. And 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 maybe every so often like they'll be like the Heat and they could like once every few years knock off a team like the Celtics or the Bucks just with the fluky shooting performance, like seven games is, is a short enough span that that can happen. But in terms of winning a championship, um, the Knicks are, are far away from that, from a personnel perspective. And I know that's not breaking news to anyone listening, but it, it is just something that I noticed in, and really stood out to me in this one as a point of concern. And it'll be interesting to see how the Knicks reshape their roster in future off seasons to compensate for that. Because right now they, they kind of have too much of one type of player, and they need more size. They need more speed. They need skill included in that. All right. Uh, when we come back, we will get into overreactions and underreactions. But uh, before I do that, I wanted to tell you about our buddies over at Prize Picks. Uh, so, what is Prize Picks? Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform, DFS platform in North America. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. So my main concern with daily fantasy in the past and why, especially with football, like I really didn't like playing it is because I could pour so much time into thinking about it. I could make a great pick and that player could get off to a fantastic start and then they could just get injured. And it didn't really matter that my logic had been right that I, I put all this time in and, and that I really thought it out. And, and honestly, I did every single thing right. Something totally out of my control cost me my money. That is never a concern with prize picks because with the prize picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and CFB top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. It's also the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money on any entry this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats and place your entry. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Alrighty, uh, let's play a little game. Uh, overreaction, underreaction, appropriate reaction. Um, I actually, I already, I, I jumped the gun a little bit. I did my first one. The Knicks are too small and not athletic enough to win big. Uh, I am going to say uh, appropriate reaction, uh, bordering on an underreaction because I'm not. I, again, I think that affects their playoff ceiling. I don't think it affects their regular season ceiling, but I think it could. And that gets me into my next one. Dante DiVincenzo is superfluous, and the Knicks have too many guys. So it's an old Bill Simmons theory, right? Like you can you can be short on depth, but you you always you always hear it like kind of casually thrown out there, like, well, you can you can never have too much depth. Uh, Simmons argues otherwise, and I I always tend to agree with him. I think you can potentially have too much depth. And at a certain point you are, are playing a good player 
at the expense of a better player. And I think that is going to happen throughout this year uh, with Dante DiVincenzo in regards to Quentin Grimes. And it's not to say DiVincenzo brings some stuff to the table that Grimes doesn't. He's, he's a little bit more confident off the dribble at this point. Um, he's, he's a similar playmaker defensively, uh, theoretically um, a, a better passer at this point and, and someone who's, even if, even if he tries riskier passes, is a little bit more ambitious as a playmaker. I guess those things are are kind of in, in inherently tied in together. But overall, Grimes does a lot of the same stuff as DiVincenzo, and he just does it a bit better than Dante DiVincenzo does. And I think this year we're going to see all this time where – and granted, this might not be the best game to make this argument because, because Grimes was just two for nine from the field, five points, one assist, while DiVincenzo, he wasn't much better – but did have five points, four rebounds, and assists. So they, they functionally had the same game in this one. I don't know. I just I just want Grimes out there. I think he I think he does pretty much all the same things and does them all a little bit better than Dante DiVincenzo does. And I think the bigger issue is neither one of them can get into a rhythm with the combination of the amount of minutes and the role that they're playing. And that doesn't mean they're not going to have good shooting nights. Obviously, Grimes was really hot against the Celtics and then DiVincenzo was really hot against the Hawks. But I, I just don't see how they're going to establish like a consistent year long rhythm. Like I, I think the biggest thing for Grimes post all-star break last year was the fact that he just got a more substantial role and he got a chance to get more shots up and he got a chance to feel the basketball in his hands and occasionally attack off the dribble. And, and when he's out there with the starters, like that is just not what he's doing. He is in the corner and, and every time he catches it, there's like an immense amount of pressure for him to put the ball up. And, and because like he just, he doesn't know when his next touch is going to come. It might be in four minutes. So you better shoot it. And that's just not a great environment for a player to thrive, for a player to be efficient in. And, and Grimes can overcome it on a good chunk of nights because he's just such a talented shooter, but you're never going to see what he could be um, playing under those restrictions. Um, and, and honestly, the same deal for DiVincenzo. Like I think DiVincenzo would be a much better guy playing 30 minutes a game. And granted, you could say that for essentially every single guy in the NBA, but they're both just to me, like very rhythm reliant players because they're so they, their success is so contingent on their three pointers going down. Um, I just think that is going to be an issue throughout the season. And I, I really would love a chance to see Quentin Grimes be able to expand his game by playing with the bench and, and in a world where the Knicks didn't bring in DiVincenzo and, and we're maybe just playing like, I don't know, like a Derek Jones jr. Type of guy, like a really athletic long wing for 11 minutes a game. You could give Quentin Grimes 35 minutes a night. You could play him the majority of the minutes the bench were on the floor and you, and you would see a guy who I think could be a future 18 point to 20 point scorer in this league. And I'm just concerned because of the DiVincenzo signing, the Knicks maybe are, are not going to get to see that version of Grimes. Um, for the foreseeable future. All right, uh, next one. The Julius Randle odd year curse is real. So uh, we, we've had it 20, started the, again, it's whether you want to consider it the start of the year or the end of the year in terms of the odd versus even year, but 2019, 2021, and now 2023. Bad starts for Julius Randle that turned into bad seasons. Again, last year, he did not shoot the ball all that well at the start of the year either, and then turned it around, had a really efficient year. I'm not that concerned yet. Uh, with Julius, like it was again, he, he just looks so explosive to me. And that's really exciting. The three pointers 
I haven't really dropped yet. He, he's missed some good ones. I think they will start falling. Um, the rebounding looks good. The defense looks good enough to me so far. Um, I think he is going to be just fine. On the flip side of that, um, is it a potential career season for uh, Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett? Uh, we'll get into that just a sec on Locked on Knicks. But before I do that, I want to tell you, but our buddies over at FanDuel score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins and you only have to put down $5. That is ridiculous. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I'm looking at those NBA championship odds. The New York Knicks are plus 4,600. I think that would be a little bit bold, but if you like the odds, go for it. You know who's one slide ahead of them, though? The New Orleans Pelicans are plus 4,200. I, I think right after this podcast, maybe even before it airs, so, so I, I don't change the line or anything, I might go throw a little bit of money down in that because, man, they, they look really, really good and really, really scary early this season. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off both the NBA and the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's wrap this up. A few more over under reactions. Uh, will Mitchell Robinson have a career year? Uh, I'm going to call it uh, an appropriate reaction. Uh, I, I Look, I don't think he's making an all-star team or anything, but he just looks like he is in absurdly good shape. Um, had uh, 10 offensive rebounds in this game. And, and again, the Pelicans are not a small team. Jonas Valanciunas is a mountain of a man. And, and Mitch was, man, the only thing keeping the Knicks borderline in this game. He has been fantastic defensively. Had that incredible play late to save the Hawks game, breaking up the alley-oop between Clint Capella and, and Trey Young. Um, had similar moments in this Pelicans game where he was on an island and he covered the guard penetrating into the lane and then recovered to whether it was Valanchunas or like another big and, and was able to get a block or alter a shot. Um, he is playing on a string right now. And for a Knicks team that um, since the Celtics game has not been all that good on the defensive end, like Mitch is really the one piece holding it all together right now. And I think that's a testament to the film work he's put in over the years but also just what kind of shape he's in. And, and he looks fantastic. Uh, same thing, career year loading for R.J. Barrett. Uh, I am going to say appropriate reaction once again. The, the shooting has obviously been mostly good. It fell off a little bit in this game where he went just one for six from three-point range. I do think the shot looks better. Obviously, um, we saw it on that late shot against the Hawks. Um, the the mid-range game, he, he's flashing confidence. We haven't really seen from him in that respect maybe since his second season a little bit um, in his third season kind of went away last year to me again the biggest thing is the process like I I, I zoom in uh, on the pass he had to Julius Randle for the late three in the Hawks game where, where he had the ball deflected and then he just knew exactly how to like he recognized that Julius was opening was open um, or coming open I guess um, got to his spot and just zipped the ball into the corner and, and it's that type of manipulation that sense of space that sense of timing that has me encouraged that we're seeing a different version of RJ. Um, I, I think it would be an overreaction to say like, again, that his jumper is fixed or anything substantial there because we've just seen hot shooting stretches from him before. And then he will go into a tailspin and just shoot horrifically for 
weeks on end. So I, I need to see it for a few months before I, I call that an appropriate reaction. But in terms of him being a better processor, being a smarter player, um, putting in more effort and having more focus on the defensive end, I feel pretty encouraged about that. All righty. Uh, that is going to be it uh, for this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast. We will come back uh, probably with a little preview of the Cavs game. Then, of course, back-to-back recaps of the Cavs game and then take you into the weekend with a big game against the Milwaukee Bucks. But until then, I'm Gavin Shaw, and I will talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks.